Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Echo Pick Pod. <clears throat> Welcome back, Ankle Vickers. That was disgusting, but we're here for a recap of UFC Bobby Green versus Islam Akachev, and then we got some news and notes with Country Club Kobe. Hey, Reese, that was game. UFC Vegas 49. Yeah, I know, no one knows what UFC – like, if you trivia question people that are watching it and say, what UFC Vegas is this, they won't know. That's why it's, you got a producer. Well, thank you, Country Club. Uh, the Quartz brothers are in Colorado together, so, you know, we're getting a late start. They have an hour to give, so, they you know, they don't give a shit about me. So we're starting a little bit late here, but Danny got all his taping done while on vacation. So you got to give him a round of applause there. That's that's There's no bad. vacation. We're, we're taping is the vacation. No such thing. And you've been stringing together some green nights. So it's, it's the hard work is paying off in the gym right there. And no, go ahead. No, I'm just happy about my green nights. Let's hope it continues. Put in the hard yeah. work. No, it, it's absolutely showing. And to top it all off, we both are feeling very good about the card this weekend. So this is a podcast that I have a very good feeling is a pay to listen type thing. You, you listen to this in depth, take some notes, jots little stars down. And, and I have a feeling you're going to have a very green night. So let's just start with the recap. We'll go quick. Um, I'm only mentioning this one because it was one of my reads that hit Carlos Hernandez one. It was close via split decision against Victor Altamirano Nothing to, to write home about or anything. It's nothing to even really mention. It just something that I, I taken her ankle up? lock up. Oh, and it was our ankle lock, right? That's yeah. Right. So we settled on our ankle lock. Uh, split decision, which was closer than I'd like, but but everything on the tape went as it as as it should have, and it, it looked good. So I was a little shocked by a split decision. I had thirty twenty seven. I know another judge did, but you know whatever. So that's five and one on the year for our ankle locks plus 19.75 units on that Hernandez minus 143 is what we booked them at 33 and 14 all time. Insane. It really is insane. I don't know why if you only wrote ankle locks, you're up just a, just an ass load of units. Okay. So Raheem, uh, Ramiz Brahimaj subs, Michael Gilmore in a, in a minute. This only reason why I mentioned it too, is because Michael Gilmore was a tough, alum and he was like an alternate and then he ended up stepping in and then he had a fight in the UFC already but unfortunately no longer for him Brahim is a guy who can submission grapple just absolutely rolled through him like a warm knife through yeah and that, and that was one we called out on the episode pretty easily I, I think I had um Brahimaj by sub as a prop on my card yeah I and so I mean even sub first round or first round finish all those were popular props this weekend Brahima is just like with the court McGee loss, even though court looked amazing and a couple other losses, I was nervous about it, but all in all is, is as smooth as you could think. Okay. Terrence McKinney, Dan, real deal. Dude subbed Varas Saim, who I actually kind of tilted there a little bit. 
in two minutes of the, of the first round and, and sub his new form for him. So is this guy a, a contender? Well, that was another one where I think we hit it on the nail. We were talking about the under. We were talking about the McKinney sub in round one. Uh, and then we were talking about maybe the Perez Ziam finish if he gasses. And I think that's still the case. I think this was just the perfect situation where Perez wasn't ready for the onslaught and he, he got the he sunk in the rear naked and was able to do it while they're still dry and fresh. But I am still curious and still think that there's a red flag on his gas tank just because I haven't seen it. Well, the other thing, too, about McKinney that I'm curious about is before he made it to the UFC, he lost his contender series fight to Sean Woodson, albeit a top prospect. Also lost to Derek Minner, a guy that I find fading a lot, first-round triangle choke. So I, I hate to admit it, but I still think that McKinney is a future fade for me, at least, when that line gets too big. I mean, he steamrolled for Vola, pun intended, first round, seven seconds. And then he and then he choked out Zaim in, in two minutes. And so I don't know if they're going to feed him something that he can't chew or if this kid's the real deal, but I uh, haven't seen enough from him to write those losses from just a couple of years back. And I'm trying to look it up really quick, but do you know, did his, did Terrence McKinney UFC strike NFT like go up after that finish? It did a little bit. It's at $20 right now. Okay. Wow. I think that's, I sold that's mine. That's pretty expensive for uh, a Terrence yeah. McKinney. I sold mine at like 11 or 12. And when I checked the next day, it was, or like after his win, it was 19. So for whatever that's worth, there's some volatility there. That's a quite the increase percentage wise. I'll be listing mine pretty soon. Another thing that's fucking badass is Joe, Joe Sain Nunez versus Ramona Pasquela. Do you happen to catch that one? Unbelievable. This girl Nunez is my new favorite fighter or new favorite female fighter. The girl is extremely undersized. She fights at 35, took this fight at 45. Pasquela is, was humongous in comparison. And this girl just trudged forward, closed the distance through absolute haymakers. She's a legend, and, and I'm a big fan of Josiane Nunez. She won via unanimous decision, but multiple times there were potential for stoppage. She had her rocked. She's just a beast. I don't know if you caught that one, but it was... It, it almost looked like a spectacle because of the size difference. That's when I'm, I'll have to run back. But uh, yeah, it was, sounds, it was sounds awesome. It was incredible. Baja Mundes beats Rong Zhu. And the thing that's interesting about this, Dan, more than anything else, he did it via submission. And brow, brow bow choke. But what's incredible about this is people labeled him a kickboxer. That is his background. People said he can only utilize his stand-up. He's mainly a striker. Shodi has the submission game as well. He also won the first two rounds. So the man didn't even, like for a line that was 200, and I thought Rongzu could be a dog play, Bahamundas didn't even bat not. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, it was just that was an insane. easy play for me, especially after the misweight for Rongzu. Uh, I think we talked about it in the morning as an ankle lock and eventually dismissed it. But um, yeah, that, that was just a easy breezy cash. Yeah, and I thought the weight miss would would potentially even help Zoo because the, I mean any size in a, if he was going to implement the grappling would help, but it, it did not phase Bahamundas at all. So honestly, this kid is is incredible to watch and such a good personality. So I love watching him. So Petrosian, you like Dan? It ended up being a lot closer than I think everyone thought. It was a split decision. So my my only real question here is, did you score it for him? I know we probably I did not. Had our bias. I'm, I'm happy that my ticket cashed, but no, I did not. I, I, no, I also taken that one away. 
Yeah, I also didn't. I'm, this is one of the few times where the judges went our way, I think, because I always feel like I'm getting burned, but I did not either. <laughs> yep. Split decision W for the homie, though. All right, that hurt us in the uh, lock of the night standings. Three of the top four people. We're, we're, we're currently sitting in fifth. I know that we didn't say it when we were t- covering our five-fight win streak, but three of the people, uh, three of the four guys ahead of us all cast that dog price on the favorable decision there. Yeah, and that or and no underdog. Yep. So oh, you said favorite underdog, so that helped them in that in the game. Okay, I teased a ton Dan about doing an Islam Makachev Armin Sarukian parlay. It paid really well, and I laughed and laughed. And throughout the week, everyone was seemingly like confident in Yoel Alvarez, or more confident than you would expect, more confident than you were ex- expect. I'm to blame off. It's my own fault. Me included. I, I might have spooked you a little bit. I was I think I was saying on the episode how I was a little spooked by this matchup and just Everyone it, it was didn't spooked. feel like losing more uh-huh. money on Joel Alvarez. And I really thought, like, this is one that I think, like, old Reese throws five units on and, and puts him in a parlay and, and maybe is a little too exposed here because I was – I mean, Alvarez was on Team Fade. Saruki and his team follow hard. But I ended up getting spooked and – Holy shit. Did Sarukian just say, I don't like fuck everybody, bro. It's going to end up being what you mentioned last week, where the minus 200 is the best line we're about to get on Sarukian until the Makachev rematch. Literally. Holy shit. Not only is his wrestling and top pressure just like Islam Makachev level, but those elbows and that gash, you needed the fucking motherfucking squeegee. And I see Country Club's head pop in like a fucking meat from SpongeBob. What's the news? Bonus for yeah. 50K, 50K well deserved. Wait a second. So is that the first bonus? Because then yep. that, that means we know the next. Or have we gone over fight of the night or another bonus already? We still have a fight of the night and another bonus that we haven't talked. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, I'm interested too. It must be Cashway. I get. I don't know. But yeah, man, that's got to be the fight of the night. I personally, I don't yeah. know. I can see performance bonuses for both the other two. But here, so unanimous decision: Priscilla Cashway versus Ji Young Kim. This one, Dan, I didn't feign much attention to. I know there was a lot of action. I know there was some standing and banging, some some phone booth pocket exchanges. But I, I had some people over watching the fights. And this is one that I actually paid attention to the company a little bit more than the TV. What fight of the night. Fight of the night? Fuck. I'm going to go back and watch that one with more attention on This it. is another one, though, that to me was a little bit weird on the decision. When you look at the pictures after, Jeon Kim landed all of the significant, more damaging strikes. I was really surprised when the decision went to Casuera, even though the science was – the science, I mean, she was, what, a two, two-and-a-half – dog price it's something like one at 1.7 maybe i don't but regardless big dog and yeah but this one this one's unanimous dan interestingly enough what i don't know for ones? me for me i thought that jeon kim kim won it yeah there, there's definitely a problem i know we've mentioned it a shit ton but there is a problem in the ufc and, and just mixed martial arts in general with the exact frame set of what score, like Kobe, you sent me that interesting tweet about why Israel won that fight against Whitaker. And I found that so interesting because I've been a fan of mixed martial arts for 10 plus years, watching it religiously for the last eight. And I didn't know 
that if you got a takedown and didn't implement damage, that it just counts as a change in position. That, I mean, that is something that I learned on that tweet, which is incredible because you're a lot of even the broadcasters and I think even the judges, honestly, at times will score it for more on the control time. Even if they have him down for 20 seconds, it's like, oh, well, he got a takedown. He scored a takedown. But it's it just credit to do. That's Aaron Bronstetter. But you're right. It, I mean, it, when you're watching the fight live and you're not looking at stats and you don't have anything to back up your opinions, it's it's almost a momentum thing. Yeah, Aaron Bronstetter on tw- is a great follow on on Twitter. He was that was the tweet that that Kobe sent me. But it it was something that like made a lot more sense. And I want to rewatch the Whitaker fight back with that type of scoring in mind. See if I see it differently because I was in a tirade. And I do I want to mention, we just pulled up the yeah. stats uh, over on Kobe's computer, and Jiang came out, struck her 171 to 102. Wow, and did more damage, too. And so more significant he, strikes. Yeah, yeah. It, it really goes to show you how impactful that octagon control is and moving forward can be, like Which, Kobe said, with the momentum being the biggest factor with judging a fight cage side and not having access to live stats. Well, but that's what's really frustrating, too, is – the octagon control is supposed to be the very last thing. It's it's if, if the striking and the grappling and everything is so close, you then move to octagon as like kind of a tiebreaker. But I agree. I mean, I think a lot of counter strikers get, you know, a great example is Steven Thompson. I feel like Steven Thompson, he lost that Darren Till decision in, in England. And he, a lot of guys were more patient and strike from the outside. They can land more strikes, land more damaging strikes, but because they're on their back feet countering, they can lose rounds, which again, there's, we've been, the MMA community has been saying it for 10 years, but a change needs to be in order. I, I believe. For sure. Submission, Dan, I lost money on this. I, this is the one, this is the dumb bet. I said, I, I've had a couple red nights in a row, just barely a unit or, or, or half a unit. And it's always been one bet that cost me. This was the one bet. I thought Misha Serkinov at 125 was a steal. I thought that coming down to 85, he, he's done it once before. He looks absolutely ginormous. I mean, he's ripping Peruvian neckties against Jimmy Crude. I said his grappling is more than enough to not get subbed by Terman. Don't clip that chat. I know what happened. Submission via armbar, second round, one minute and 30 seconds in, is – I mean, Serkinov has got to see the door. You know, I mean, he's got to be on his way out. He's dropped just – Lord knows how he's dropped. Even with the change in weight, he's lost uh, three, six. So he's two and six in his last eight, including the weight drop to 85. That's really tough. And I know that I think it was the fight previous to this, the uh, Christoph Jocko fight I've scored for him, which can really affect the guy's career with these damages. But this one to me just looked like Wellington Terman had been in the gym preparing for Hidalfo Vieira for months, which he had. And then immediately was just like, oh, this guy isn't Hidalfo Vieira. Suddenly my gist is better than him. Right. But even still though, like the arm bar happens so fast in the transition so fast. Like I do want to give props to Wellington Terman because I think even though Serkinov's fallen on tough times, like Every, it was a very, very smooth transition to the arm bar. It happened very, very fast. And it was a quick tap too. I mean, he had it in deep and just instantly cranked on it. It was, it was, it was impressive all the way around. So are you willing to give 25 year old Wellington Terman 
a little bit more love or are you still on the fade Terman train? Cause I love Terman thought he had so much potential in this, in the UFC was losing to Carl Robertson, Andrew Sanchez, just losing to Bruno Silva seemed chinny. Now he's beat, he beat Sam Alvey and beat Misha Serkinov. Does he deserve a little more respect on his name or is this just Misha's just not it? I think it's more so Misha's not it, but I do think that if the Terman Adolfo Vieira fight gets rescheduled, that'd be a lot closer of a line. And I think there might even be more value spot on Hidalfo there. So to answer your question, I do see myself betting against Wellington in the future, but I do see him picking up a little bit of steam from this. This was an impressive yeah. performance and I was impressed. Yeah. And you, we were also both these guys to an extent were fighting for their job. I mean, Terman ripped off a couple bad losses in a row. Serkinov, as we just mentioned as well. So this was a big one. And that armbar, as good as it was, as fluid as it was, as fast as it was, is not happening against Adolfo Vieira. It's just not. Performance so, bonus to Wellington Terman there, too. Yeah, well-deserved. So the 25-year-old gets 50 fucking Gs. Dan, I sure could use 50 Gs right now. But I'll get, then again, I can't rip off an armbar like that. Main event, Islam Makachev, ground and pound, KO, TKO, first round, three minutes, Bobby Green. I mean, is there anything more to say about that other than Islam just did Islam things? Nope. Anyone one, that was sitting here last week in this recording saying it was going to be a little bit tougher than people think and that it was going to go wait, over. Who said that? Minute. I did. Oh, I'm I was going to say, that wasn't me. I'm, I'm the I'm, idiot that, that, was, that <laughs> I'm talking about. So, honestly, I all, all last episode I talked about an Islam parlay, Sarukian parlay, and I now know who to blame for the spook because I ended up not placing a day of. I was like – man, can Bobby Green knock him out or be a tough out? Can Sarukian actually get subbed by OL? And here we sit, two dominant performances, and I was in the red and you were in the green. So I'm sorry for the spook, but, <laughs> I, but I turned it into a, a seven-unit sweep on my side. Hey, look. You, Sometimes you, you got to be cautious. Right. Uh, damn me. But the other thing, too, about Islam is I felt like this was a bit of a statement because there was an opportunity to rip a submission, which is what he's known for. I actually had him by submission there. I sprinkled a little bit, not track just for fun. And it almost seemed like he was like, I'm, I'm going to TKO him even because Bobby green turned into him to give his back and Islam stayed postured up and was just raining down fists. It almost seemed like he was like, this is disrespectful booking this fight. I know it was short notice and a bunch of shit happened. He should have had someone else. And I, I like, he should have had Darius. I know all that, but interesting that i i noticed it was interesting that he deliberately went for the kotko there transitioning right into news and notes I, you, you were about to steal my thunder i was about to do it go ahead it's interesting i mean we, so we had i don't want to skip over the whole saga with uh the co-main event this weekend being filled and him kind of going back and forth with rda but what was more interesting to me that came up today from an interview with bob fox um dana said one that back to that co-main event situation he said one that the pullout was on islam's fight and he thought that that fight was done but two he also said that next for islam is dariush and he was not even he's not hearing at all uh moving him right to a title shot and he's excited about the dariush fight and he says that if islam looked good there then we'll talk but well did you hear what the the table and you hear what the the reasoning was for making him go to dariush i think kobe probably knows yeah it's because he RDA basically called his bluff. Islam pulled out. And then he's like, all right, well, now we're going to give him Dariush. That's what happened. So apparently because Islam backed out or, or got his bluff called on fighting RDA short notice, 
now they're making him fight Dariush instead of an instant title shot. Well, by the which, way, might need surgery. So that still, we still like if, if Dariush needs fibula surgery as it, which is possible, yeah. they're not going to make Islam wait for Dariush, but they're not going to give him a title shot. So that's, I mean, right. Right. And, and, but the other thing too, is it's not like there's a lack thereof talent at 55. I mean, you can throw him someone else in the top. That being said, it's been hard to find a guy that's willing to sign and fight Islam. Right. And, and if that's the case, then you keep moving up the list. And if the last person who says fine is Oliveira, then so be it. One more thing that I have a kind of an interesting question. I saw it on, I was scrolling somewhere and I saw this, this question posed. Who poses a tougher challenge for Islam? Gaethje or Oliveira? I think it's got to be Oliveira. Even though Gaethje's had a, 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 a call it a dry run against Habib? I, yeah, I think even more so there. The first round, he looked all right. But then it, the second that Khabib's doing the Islam game plan, it, it was, I mean, it was knife through butter. Yeah. It, it, no, it was. I, I also had Oliveira, but it was a, the poll actually favored Gaethje, which was interesting to me. That's why I wanted to pose the question here. But yeah, and so anyways, how Islam. Both those guys did against but, Chandler. What's up? You look at how both those guys did against Chandler. True. But but who was closer to losing in the grand scheme of things? At one I point, know, I, I think Gaethje got rocked a couple times too. Yeah, maybe Chandler hits like a fucking truck. Kobe, want to take over news and notes because we mentioned Islam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's uh let's stick with this week before we get all the way off of it. Um, just wanted to throw this in here. This isn't really news. Greg Hardy in an interview today says that he's walking around weight is three ten. He's two ninety. Yeah, so. Right now. Yeah, so he also was almost, not officially, but almost the first heavyweight to ever miss weight when he had to go back. It was two fights ago. He was fighting the guy before Tuivasa. Oh, uh, Marcin Tibera, I believe. It, he, he had to go back and cut weight because he, he, he went in over and he had to use the extra two hours to get to 266. So this dude who's fighting Sergey Spivak this week, who walks around or who's fights at 238. It's crazy. He might not make weight. He's a humongous motherfucker. We'll find out soon. Um, Jessica, I out of her fight against Manon Foirot this week and no replacement for Foirot. So she is unfortunately off the card. We hit on the co-main, obviously that we, I don't think we even mentioned two RDAs fighting yet, but it's Hanata Moicano stepping in short notice at a catch weight 160 yeah. after Fiziev, COVID, that sucks for him. This was a fight we were looking for, the Battle of Raphael's. Big time. Um, all right, sorry, I'm a little out of order here. Let's uh, let's get to probably the biggest story of the week. Cain Velasquez booked yeah. on attempted murder. Um, some details surfaced later that attempted murder was targeting, targeting somebody who had molested a relative of his over 100 plus times. Yeah, it was his stepfather. Just a really, really shitty situation. And a lot of people that are back in Kane as a good dude, obviously this is like a good dude calling him a good dude isn't going to get him off of attempted murder. Mm -hmm. So it's a really shitty situation. But uh, a lot of people are, you know, having the back of, backs of, back of Kane Velasquez in this situation because it's just brutal. Yeah, Definitely. I mean, here, here's the deal. It's a horrible thing. And it, to me, in all honesty, it's like, regardless if he was uh, famous or not, I don't, 
I don't, I, 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 I understand why he did it and I empathize with him. At the same time, you murdered somebody. That's what the law is for. And so I know a lot of people are running around. Well, he did. He did. The other guy tried to. Or attempted murder. Yeah, attempted murder, but which which is reasonable. But a lot of people are are tweeting free Kane. A lot of people in the MMA community. I saw saw Chiesa tweet out that at least let's uh, lock the two guys up in the same jail cell. (laughs) Right, or something like that. And, And so... I saw a couple other tweets that were, were pretty, I know Ben Askren was like, I don't want to live in a country where you can't, you know, punish someone for that type of act. And I, you know, I don't have a stance either way. Like I don't want to say, Oh, free Kane. I don't. And I also don't, would never want to condone what the other guy did. He deserved it. He had it coming. Um, but no, this is a sad story. Cause Kane really is a good dude. You're nothing and but one of the greatest heavyweights to ever. Yeah. And you hear a lot of amazing things about him. Like DC is DC cut weight and fought at light heavyweight his whole career just so he wouldn't have to fight Kane because he's such a good dude. I mean, it's just one of those stories. I think a lot of people, more details need to emerge. But for me, this was just nothing but sad. I was just sad because his life is, you know, probably over. I mean, he's probably going to do some some serious time. And for if the accusations and that is true about the other guy, then there's a lot of people there too that 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 life is altered. So overall, I just California, took right. Yeah, I just took this news as sad. Yeah, no, in Texas, we're not even having this conversation. <laughs> Florida. Oh wait, wait um, you, said it, you said it was in California. I think, yeah, I think so. so. Yeah, I was gonna say because Florida or Texas, this isn't. We're not having this discussion. Um. <laughs> well, let's move on to some happier news. We got some good contract positive information here. Sam Alvey apparently not cut. <laughs> He's back. Positive contract. No, no way. No way. He's back. He's going to fight out the rest of his contract, yeah, which is, let, I think, only one more fight. They're letting him fight out the last fight in his contract. It's just- oh, my God. I, so I saw him on TikTok the other night. It randomly popped up for me. And he – it's actually funny, but you know how Kevin Holland, who's fighting this weekend, has been, like, owning people in the gym? Sam Alvey's, like – people were commenting, like, I could outstrike you. And he was like, fine, come to the gym. And Sam Alvey being the nice smiling guy he is was like, we'll get lunch. We'll make a whole day out of it, but I'm going to kick your ass. And we'll be friends. <laughs> like it was so funny because he was being serious. He's like, we'll be friends. We'll post it on social. We'll get lunch. We'll hang out, but we will strike and videotape it. And I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> More positive contract news. Bryce Mitchell signed a new four fight contract. I've assumed that this week will be the first of that. Good for him, but yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, he hasn't been active for a while, so I don't know if it's the first or he's been waiting for, he's been waiting for a new one or he's been waiting for a negotiation before he fights his last one. I I don't know, but yeah, I mean, I, who, dude, he, I don't know if you guys like listen to Theo Vaughn stand up or anything, but Bryce Mitchell is a real personality. He's a funny motherfucker. All right. We have a bunch of fight announcements here, so I'm going to roll through these in order. March 26th, Dana Bajarel, Chris Gutierrez, underrated, kind of a banger. It should be fun. Uh, this one, just so exciting. I don't think it's official yet, but Hamzat, Gilbert Burns, we've talked about it forever. UFC 273, Jacksonville, April 9th. That'll be sweet. Um, here's one that I don't know. Poha. Poha. One that I don't know if we've mentioned on the pod because I didn't know that it existed, but April 16th, the main event is Bilal Muhammad and Vicente Luque. 
We were talking about that pre-show, whether or not we mentioned said, You said it was Bilal Vicente 2, right? Yep, Bilal Vicente 2. Who took the first one? I don't remember. I'm pretty Bilal. sure Vicente Luque finished it. I mean, I assumed it was Vicente Luque, but I wasn't 100%. Um, also on that 416 card, Diego Lima is out of his fight against Miguel Baez, but we got a replacement, Andre Fialo. We saw him. Wait, I thought Diego Lima was cut. Cut from the UFC? Yeah, I thought so. Dan, didn't we talk about that? We talked about... I well, don't know. Either way, he's know. not fighting Miguel Baez. It could be because he's cut. No, that I don't know. Maybe, but I remember us, Danny and I, breaking it down, thinking we had a lot, we had more left in the tank because he gave Bilal a tough run. But you know, I don't know. People, so many people are getting cut and then added and cut and then added. I don't even fucking know anymore. Um, April twenty third, we have Charles Jordan and Lando Venata. Only interesting tidbit about that one is that's who JSP mentioned that he wanted Jordan. And yeah. I don't know if that was on air with us or if that was post. Interview. It was on air because post, he never got one out. <laughs> um, next we have May 7th, UFC 274, Shogun Hua and OSP. Shogun Hua. Talk about, I mean, we, this was pre-show, but talk about a guy that's over 40 still lacing it up. Dude, Shogun's a baller. Show, dude, I'm telling you, there's an era of like Shogun, Andre Orlovsky, um, that just, these motherfuckers just love to scrap. Damian Maia was an example of it for a while, and they still Idiot. got it. They still got it. Um, also, UFC 274, Michael Johnson and Alan Patrick. Oh, Michael Johnson? Okay, cool. Fuck. And Alan Patrick's probably happy because he got out of that Mason Jones scrap that he wanted nothing to do with. Big time. Because <laughs> he, he, they rescheduled it after the iPoke. And, it, and he, I mean, everyone knew he wanted nothing to do with that thing. And I don't blame him either. I'm not calling him out. I, I, I also, I don't blame him. Um, UFC 274, again, Brandon Royval and Matt Schnell. That'll be fun. Yeah. And then the last one that I've got to announce today, this is all the way out in June, June 4th, is Alga Zumagulov and Jeff Molina. Zumagulov. I love Zumagulov. I've got one more that I think is, I think it was an aerial report. So it's, it's not super official, but I think it will end up being is uh, Valentina Tyler Santos. No, that, that's official. For I don't remember when. I think it's two seventy five. We're pulling it up now. Doesn't matter though. She's not going to bring anything to Valentina. Two seventy five to share Porhaska. He's going to have Valentina versus. Tyler. Oh yeah, that got moved. I don't know if Dan Kobe mentioned that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, a lot of that, stuff in the MMA sphere. Yeah, that's that's news and notes. Should we transition to this week? Yeah, let's do it. Also, before we transition, Kobe, clip this and send it to me. I'm posting it on Twitter, and you're going to make an edit. But a lot of fight announcements just got announced. Where is Marab Davalishvili? I'm dying for him to fight. He isn't that active. I need me some Marab, Danny. I'm missing out. His chin's still hurting from that first round with Marlon. That's not getting added, by the way, Kobe. (laughs) Um, UFC 272. 
I'm posting on Kingpin and to and adding him because I need him to fight again. I have my net worth in his prism cards. Two seventy-two T-Mobile Arena in Vegas Saturday. Ooh, now we're gonna test my date of knowledge. Three five March fifth Saturday. Early prelims five p.m. Central. Prelims seven p.m. Central. Main card nine p.m. Central. We as Ink Pick Pod are gonna go live Saturday morning. That has been a largely successful endeavor for us. You're going to talk through our plays, recent Dan. I'll kind of moderate the show and really just get kind of final insight into the card, how we're playing it, what at post weigh-ins. There's always some good tidbits there. 10 a.m. Central Time, YouTube. We'll post a link on Twitter. Anything to add there? And per request, I'm going to set 11, not 10, 11 alarms. So I will be there bright and early. Maybe get a little buzz before you guys hit the slopes. Oh, That's yeah. Some plan. morning beers, some shots of Malort. You know we'll be swinging this stuff. Yeah, early. shout out at Jepson's Malort. Big fan. Saw walk by Jepson's Malort whiskey today, believe it or not. Might send you guys a bottle of that. I would love <laughs> some. <laughs> Don't make that face. <laughs> okay. Fun That's stuff. Good. Drinking's fun. I bought some Howler Head today, believe it or not. But... I was gonna drink it for the show, and then I realized it's not a, it's not something you drink straight. I was watching a bunch of videos on on the way to go. It's it's meant it's banana flavored, so it's yeah, meant. I think for we pop. had some Howler Head and like Sprite at the last at the UFC fan experience, and uh, we I really enjoyed my drink. I thought it was a great mixer. Okay, cool. Mm. Yeah, well, wait, people wait, people drink straight mixer, Dan. <laughs> I don't remember the last time I've been in straight mixer. I actually had a diet cola the other week. Yeah, I had a diet cola mixer the other day. Wait, people drink mixer for breakfast? Yeah, all the time. I had a diet cola mixer the other day. Spon- oh, we're sponsored Virgin by screwdriver. Yeah, Virgin <laughs> Screwdriver. Yeah, we're sponsored by Wolf Cola. Um, we're gonna have to follow his number one supporters, Boca Haram. Okay. For all those who, who are who are listening, big sunny, always sunny guys. I don't know if you caught the the quips. If you did, that's why you're here. Because I've noticed before we get into this week's card, MMA fans, so many of them have like all the same interests. Like if they're listening to this, it's like safe to assume that they gamble. It's don't safe to assume, a box, Reese. It's safe to assume they drink whiskey. It's safe to assume they watch Always Sunny. Affliction T-shirts. Yep. P3, Modelo. <laughs> Tap <Dude>. out. <laughs> no, all, all, the whole nine. Okay. So let's get into this week's card. And Kobe did the introduction, but, you know, he was messing up. Day. It is March 5th. Happy March, gentlemen. And it's 5 p.m. Central time. No way. Is this, this is a past your bedtime card, baby. Let's celebrate. It's not going to end till like 1130. That's huge. Love to see it. Dan, let's start with Dustin Jacoby versus Michelle Oleziacek. And this one's important to note because it is a very big play for you out the gate. It is. Curtain jerker. You know, I love it. Uh, Both guys are primarily strikers here. Jacoby being the more technical one and the more decorated kickboxer with that extensive background. Uh, I think you look at it and the only time he's ever been knocked out in that long kickboxing career, career is Alex Pereira. So not too shabby there. But yeah. uh, Mikhail Jacek being the brawler, the guy with more power, um, 
he, he, he puts on more pressure. He's got the more finishing ability. But um, I, I think Jacoby is going to land just as much volume as him. Plus, I expect him to just use a lot of feints and be able to take advantage of setting him off of his rhythm and frustrating him, not get him comfortable, not get him landing, not get him pressuring uh, Dustin up against the fence. Plus, this being in the re- regular size octagon and not at the apex is definitely going to help a guy with the kickboxing footwork and pedigree that Justin Jacoby has. And as Reese mentioned, this is right off the bat, right out the gate, a three-unit play for me. I placed it just this afternoon, minus 180 at DraftKings. I think it's still there. I'm double checking right now, but uh, this should be a great way to get my night started. Yeah, it op- DraftKings seemingly had some great lines for this card. At least I was checking. I don't know if they're doing a promo, or, but they beat every line across the board on best fight odds. So, um, for me, this opened at 160. Dan, I saw the aggregate floating around minus 195 right now, and it was an instant sharp tick right at open. People really beat this line. But the, the big takeaway for me is Jacoby's a little bit slower in his strikes, but a lot more technical. But something that I saw that was huge, big standout for me was the size. I mean, you Olyshek's the type of guy that really could be fighting at 85. And I, I think he should be fighting at 85. And the size does give him the speed advantage. But Jacoby's just going to hit a lot harder. You, you saw Michelle get tagged a couple times against Bukalkis uh, a couple times, um, Gamzatov a couple times. And so what, what Jacoby brings is a little bit more power and, and a little bit more size. But the one thing that I saw from Jacoby's struggles, and it was mainly against Kutalaba, a little bit against Darren Stewart, is he wants to implement kickboxing. He wants to stand at range with you. He wants to fight, fight you in his style of fight. And Michelle's going to bring that to him. And that's the part that I really like. I mean, you saw uh, Michelle Olziacek have a couple opportunities on the mat. And I mean, uh, OSP subbed him instantly. Krut subbed him instantly. And then he didn't even shoot or feint a takedown against Bukalkis, another guy stylistically who likes to stand at range and fight. And so uh, he got a split decision not against Bukalkis. I think Justin Jacoby is just a significantly better Bukalkis, Bukalkis at least, yeah, at least in power and stand and range. So I like Jacoby as well. 195 scared me though a little bit. Are you still tasting there? Or I mean, or it, it, 180, let's say you get a draft. I, I had it at 180. I, I'm still comfortable. I'm, I'm less comfortable as it eclipses 200, but I'm still comfortable in that 195 space. Like you said, Jacoby's just a better version of Bukalkis. Right. And Owen Jacek is going to, his, his best route to victory is a knockout. Yeah. And we've just never seen Jacoby knocked out by guys who are less knockout threats than Alex Pereira, the right. literal biggest knockout threat in the and world. And the other thing too, who hits harder? Ian Kutalaba or Michelle Olziacek? Ian by a lot. By a lot. And Ian had a 10-8 round in their fight and it did not phase Jacoby at all. He came back, won the next two, and it ended up being a draw. And the only reason why there's a 10-8 is because Kutalaba mixed in the, the wrestling, which mm-hmm. is not a threat here. So I also love Dustin Jacoby. And unfortunately, I'm not as smart as you, though, and I didn't get the line movement. I haven't placed anything yet. And so I'm going to have to shop a little bit and see if I can sneak something because I think it's just going to continue to go up. Another one, Dan, the, these, the, the early card is coming straight away with a lot of bettable fights. Oh, yeah. Ludovic Klein is fighting Devontae Smith. And the line here opened at Devontae Smith minus 130 and has gotten hammered 
all the way up to Devontae Smith minus 200 aggregate. You can find it over DraftKings in the 170 range. Um, but there were a couple that, that were around 200. It's come back down a little bit. Do I need to refresh my page? I'm seeing DraftKings at 155. It's come down a lot since last night then. Maybe I messed up. I'm what seeing 60 at least, but five dimes is 155. It's still out there at 55 if you, if you want to get are, it. Are there any 200s up or what is, what's up across the board for the most part? The uh, largest I'm seeing is 175. All right, so let's call it one, so 170. So that's a lot better than what I had uh, two nights ago. So 170 right now for Devontae Smith, which is a lot more palatable than minus 200. Dan, I'm just going to pose the question for you here so you don't have to do much thinking. Here's the thing, Dan. I love Devonta Smith. It is a joy to watch him strike. It is truly a joy. I, While taping, I would replay the same jab five, six, seven times in a row because of how perfect it was. So fucking fast. I wagered Malort against Jamie Malarkey. Lost Malort against Jamie Malarkey. That fight was interesting because it was a quick leg kick by Malarkey that completely changed the tide. I mean, Devontae Smith dominated him in the first. Malarkey hit him with a leg kick, clearly bothered him, fell from there. So my question is, you laid, I'm going to spoil it for you. Don't, I'm pulling the rug out, but you laid three units on Devontae Smith at, at 155, I think you got yep. it, 170. 155 at DraftKings. Are you scared that Ludovic Klein, a guy who bring some devastating kicks and, and bring some good striking. Are you scared that Devontae Smith's going to fold on you if, if things don't go his way? Because that's a tendency that I saw in taping. And that's the only reason why I was scared to do it as an ankle lock is just because I don't want Ludovic to land that one good shot, some spin kick or some leg kick. And then, and then Devontae Smith doesn't want it anymore. I think that is the big concern, but it's not enough to, scare me away from placing this ticket. Obviously, Ludovic's a slick southpaw. He's got good combinations. Those kicks, as you said, can definitely hurt Devontae. I just think that he, it's it's two things. It's the stylistic matchup with Klein yeah. be willing to stand in front of his jab for 15 minutes excites me. And then it's also Klein being a low output fighter and kind of relying on those counters that – the speed of Devante isn't going to be so, so much there for. And so I, I like those two things about it, about this matchup a lot. And then I have to assume that Smith is rounding out his game. I mean, I know he's recently moved to factory X Muay Thai um, and he's got to be looking to bounce back after that malarkey performance. Like you said, yeah. he won the first five minutes and then kind of just fell apart. Yeah. And he's a finisher. I mean, he finished every fight or been finished in, in, all the all every fight he's had so i did kind of tease the idea of this fight ending in the distance it was minus 180 at the time the one other thing i wanted to mention um this fight is taking place at 155 that's devonta smith's natural weight ludovic Klein's fought his entire career at 45 he did miss weight though against i believe trezano i'm not sure might've been Shane Young. He missed weight on one of his fights though. So he's a bigger 45, but nonetheless still move up. Um, he's given a couple, he's given four inches in reach and two inches in height, which is ridiculous. Oh yeah. So I don't know. I, that's just another nod that I like. Okay. Tim Elliott versus Tagir Ulambekov. I know we've dove in quite deep on the first two, but Dan had big plays on both and I'm seemingly going to follow suit. Dan, this is another one that you teased an idea of a potential play. 
But Ulambekov strikes me as a prospect that you're going to know more about than me. And then we also know that you and Tim Elliott are friends in real life. And so what, what's your take on this flyweight bout? Yeah, to gear, he has all the tools on paper. Uh, I was super excited about him coming into the UFC. He's another one of those guys that trains with Khabib. Khabib will be in his corner. Um, he's got great top control, great takedowns, great sub defense. But in his last two, and I think his only two UFC fights, he always seems to find himself in just really close, split by a hair kind of fights where he almost needs the judges to help him out after he gasses and after he's kind of getting rolled with, which is something that Tim Elliott is very capable of doing, uh, especially with Tim Elliott's veteran fight IQ. He's got those great scrambles, as I mentioned. He's good off his back. Um, that also worries me a little bit about Tim Elliott. He, tends to fight off his back a little too much for my liking. But um, I do see this being a 15-minute grappling match. And so the play that you tease that I, I'm leaning towards is the over two and a half um, that's sitting at minus 140. But I do agree with you that I think this fight is closer than the line suggests and will play out a lot closer than this line suggests, as has all of Tagir's fights in the UFC thus far. Yeah, and you... And Sharps agree because it opened at Tim Elliott plus 235. Currently, uh, when I wrote or wrote these notes, he was sitting at 205. Now you can see him as low as like 195. I like Tim Elliott here as a play, and I got all of that information from his uh, scrambles and all of his grappling prowess that he's displayed in the UFC. To gear is phenomenal in certain aspects, but if you watch that split decision victory over Nascimento, where he's a minus 400 favorite, he struggled in a lot of the transitions. Nascimento threw up a ton of submissions. And I was very, very surprised at his inability to control from the top and also his pacing. He started to gas late hard. And Tim Elliott's proven that he, against Espinoza was an example. Um, Nicolau, even though he lost, that was an example, is that he can go give you a full hard 15. And the big red flag that we've always had in him is that Benoit fight that was yeah. on Fight Island that James Krause has said was just not, like Tim was a shell of himself, and he still wound up getting his hand raised, which just shows you how much of a dog that guy is. Yeah, ridiculous. And so I'm teasing him. I'm, I am going to take him at, at the plus. I got him at plus 220 a little bit earlier in the week. He's around, if you can get him at around 200 right now, I think that's worth it. And the only reason why I'm not taking the over, because I, I thought the idea is the over, is because I really do think Elliot could potentially get a submission here. I was I was very, very concerned by Ulan Bekov's ability to not, not, he not only was he getting caught in submissions a ton, but he, made mistakes a lot in, in giving his back on certain scrambles and giving his arm when Nascimento had him in a triangle and then he was rotated to an arm bar and he ended up escaping, but it was always just so close that I do worry about the sub a little bit. I don't want to scare you off your line though. Okay. Umar Nurmagomedov, a direct cousin to Habib is fighting Brian Kelleher. And this is pretty much untouchable. The line sits around minus 600 670 brian keller plus 500 range but dan dan did we miss out it opened at minus 270 for umar numarito oh, plus 230 for keller that but, hurts me to hear 
Yeah, instantly um, got annihilated. I think you can play this, and I've got a prop placed just for one unit uh, on Umar inside the distance at plus 150. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That Wait, plus? Plus 150 for Umar inside the distance. Wow. That is the guy with known finishing ability, both on the feet and on the mat. Um, Elliot's got a good guillotine, veteran fight IQ, but that's only going to take you so far against one of literally the best prospects at Bantamweight and someone who I could see holding the belt in the future. And that's not even an exaggeration. No. It looks that good to me. No, he really does. And when you hear Nurmagomedov, you instantly think, okay, he's going to suffocate you with wrestling. This dude prefers to stand up. This kid can fucking bang. He's kickboxing is sweet. He's like a Zabit kind of guy. He's like a Zabit. Zabit. That's a perfect example. His question mark kick is so fucking fast. It mm. was a joy. Yeah. In the distance, I love that. I'm shocked you're getting a plus line on that, honestly. I'm actually taking back. Got it this afternoon. It should be your sitting around there. I'm going to be on that as well. Dan, the science prevails in this next one. Maria Morzov versus Maria. Wait. Marina, okay, Marina more more Moraz Moroz versus Maria Agapova. Agapova. And this is one that if there wasn't so much personal beef in the main event, would be getting a lot more attention. Um yeah. their former training partners also at ATT. And there's also this whole storyline of Moroz creating rumors that Agapova got kicked out of two gyms in the past like 12 months after struggling with like addiction to heroin or something. And then Agapova called her out in the post-fight presser after smoking, who was it? Sabina Mazo. Um, and so there's a lot of bad blood between these women. And and like I just mentioned, they're, they've trained together. So they know each other really well. Um, in terms yeah, of breaking seemingly, this down. Well, it's seemingly the storyline of this card. And right before you into the breakdown, uh, Agapova's minus 225 and Moro's is plus 175. All right, go ahead. Yeah. Um, like I said, with the Agap- Agapova just smoked Sabina Mazo, um, and she looked good striking in that fight off her back foot, landing some counters, eventually getting the um, knockout. But that's kind of how she has always been for me. She's kill or be killed. She starts fast, she throws heat, but she runs out of gas a little bit. And Marosa herself, she's a good striker and it's clean combination. It's not quite as dangerous of a striker as Agapova, and that's why I think that she's the dog here. But she's got good jits, good clinch control. Um, not a super great takedown artist, but I could see her controlling the octagon and winning some boring minutes. I definitely will not be paying a uh, favorite price for Agapova in a grudge match. Um, but I'm not super excited about the Moreau's side either. See, I, I, I see it exactly how you see it. I do actually kind of like Moreau's here though, just because Agapova lost as a minus 1400 against Dobson and really, really, that was only two fights ago. And she really, really struggled in getting up off her back in the takedown exchanges. And then, like you said, it's kill or be killed. And she gassed hard in that fight i mean she had nothing left and and ended up getting tko'd in the second round they both fought sabina mazo um it did go different uh agapova hit her with a really hard straight right that dropped her and then instantly dropped in for the sub it was impressive 
But on the other side, Morozov, although you're right, she really can't, she's not a takedown artist by any means. Right. I don't expect her to just like out grapple Agabova here for 15 minutes, but I think yeah. she can win maybe a round or two with clinch control and with, and with that's dirty boxing. And that's kind of my thought is that clinch control. And even if she scores a takedown or two, I mean, she struggled in a couple of fights to get it to the mat, but she did a great job against Sabina Mazo. Like uh, uh, once she did get it to the mat, she's not an easy person to take down either. Controlling it from the top, doing enough damage to keep it there. I really think this plus 175 is, is a bettable line here. I mean, nothing more than a unit, but. It's something that I'm going to dip my my fingers in for for sure. I think there's a spot here for a girl like Agapova who's proven to be beatable even at a minus 1400 line, which you wouldn't necessarily expect. Uh, a couple more prelims left. Nick Nugamaranu versus Kenny Nchukwi. And we actually both like the same side here, interestingly, and not interestingly enough, we usually do. But uh, Nchukwu or Kennedy Nchukwi minus uh, 145, Nugamaranu, plus 125 on the other side. Dan, for me, this is just a a version of a fight that Kennedy has already fought. He fought a guy named Darko Stozic. He, he had a short run in the UFC, but it's a guy who keeps his head on the center line, marches forward, and relies on his chin and hitting you at, at that pressure pace to make you collapse, cuts off the odd and so on. Uh, Nick Nugamaranu fights exactly like that. He He marches forward he allows himself to get hit he's been tagged in every single fight that he's fought um i don't know i mean chukwi keeps a high guard really good straight left i think that this is a fight that's kind of tailor-made for him and last but not least you're looking at a guy who's got five inches of height five inches of reach and really isn't that like sizable of a favorite um this is a guy that Close I usually, even. Yeah, it's it's it opened it almost even. It's sitting around way up 45 now, but it's like he's a guy that I've faded in the past because of how slow he is. Um, because of how long he is and how big he is, he he's not like the fastest striker, the crispest striker, but this just seems like a matchup that's so tailor-made for him. Definitely, yeah. You said it all. Nick's gonna try and use his wrestling. He used it against Kamer. Um, but Kennedy's not Kamer, he's not gonna be able to be taken down as easily. Like you said, he's got that huge height and reach advantage. Um, and he's a much better striker than Nick. I, he's just going to stuff the takedowns and do some work from the outside. I'm not a huge stats guy, but I did write one down. Kennedy is an 80% career takedown defense. And it's not like Nagumaranu is a Nurmagomedov. Right. No, he, he, and that's against guys like Craig too, who like are looking to take him down. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's cause he's so tall. He can always keep, you usually can keep a foot or two planted, which is really hard. All right, your girl's up next at 115, Marina Rodriguez versus Zhao Nanyan, two top, or I, wow, I guess Marina Rodriguez is disgustingly underrated because she's ranked 10, apparently. Yep. At least that's what Tapology has. That almost seems hard to believe. Disgustingly underrated, though. Um, and then Yao Zhaonan at four. And the line, though, is the opposite of what you'd think. It's, it's Rodriguez minus 255, Yao Zhanan plus 205. I mean, Marina's your girl, so you can probably explain it better than me, but this is a matchup that's definitely tailored for her style. It is tailored for her style, and I do consider her one of the best, if not the best, 
um, and most talented strikers on the women's roster. She's a great counter puncher, great footwork, great at working off her jab. Um, what worries me is Jan is also a pretty well-respected kickboxer. And I don't think that Marina has actually fought any legit top-level kickboxers in her run. We see, I mean, we see Michelle Waterson, but like that was one of the biggest bets of my life on women's MMA. One of the only times I'll hammer a woman's favorite just because Michelle Waterson is a joke of a striker. But um, you're looking through her wins and it's it's Dern, it's Hebas, it's Tisha Torres, it's um, a draw, Cynthia Calvillo. It's not like she's striking with, I don't know, like a Yanni on Jacek or something, even though it's a weight class away. I just think that it might be interesting seeing her get tested by a legit striker here. And that's why the line is so close. And that's why I won't be touching it. Hmm. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I My big takeaway, though, was just the, the power difference is notable. I mean, Marina Rodriguez... I mean, she's a Muay Thai background. She mixes in knees and elbows and, and, and can knock people out like Hibas, who had a good first round against her. On the other side, Yao Zhanan is a girl who, her biggest weakness, she got dominated on the mat. I mean, she had no answer to if she, but Marina's not looking to fight that fight. So for anyone who's looking to back Zhao Nanyan, that, I wouldn't blame you either. This is a fight that's tailor-made for her too. There's just a massive power difference and although Jan might throw high volume and higher volume, I expect the side-by-side before and after pictures, Rodriguez to land the significantly more devastating strikes, elbows in the clinch, use those knees, things like that, that are going to be the big difference. I think you're right. And ultimately, I think we see a pretty awesome performance from Marina here. Um, I'm just noticing that I say it all the time. Styles make fights. And I'm noticing that I don't have a pretty close example to um, mimic with this one. I don't have, I don't see her being tested by legit kickboxers. And yeah. no, I'm excited. Fair. I'm excited for the fight, though. That's definitely fair. And the one thing I want to add when I was shocked about the 10 ranking, her three-fight win streak right now is Hebos, who's ranked higher than her, Watterson, and then Dern. She won all of those. Hebos is nine, she's 10, and Dern is five after just coming off a loss to her. So just shows sometimes when people laugh and say these rankings are a joke, you know why. Last prelim, prelim main event, Jalen Turner versus Jamie Malarkey at 155. Turner comes in at minus 155. Jamie Malarkey plus 135. This one's interesting. You got a really long guy, and Turner came into the UFC a little bit raw. The other side, you got a guy like Malarkey, also young in his own right, but fights a dirtier fight, I would say. He he he's he wants to make it dirty. I mean, he wants to sit in the pocket. He wants to dirty clinch. He wants to make it ugly. Out. He wants to yeah. drag you into deep waters. He wants right. he wants you to want out. Right. And from what I saw from Jalen Turner, he's not a guy who's going to take it out. Um, for me, it was hard to get a fight stylistically that was like this. I mean, Medich and Koulibau, I took a look at. Um, but Malarkey, it was easier to find a fight like Jalen Turner, that being Zaim, um, Smith in a way, not really. I don't know. I, this fight is, I think, the biggest question mark on the card for me. 
So Turner really impressed me with that Euros Medic performance. And I think yeah. that what I saw from that wrestling ability, I don't think Malarkey is going to be able to like get off a game plan and get on the front foot. I think Jalen's going to be the one pressing. Jalen's going to be the one with top control. Um, and like you said, he's got that range that he can use and work off his jab if this fight were to stay standing for longer than expected. Uh, I'm not trying to write off Malarkey. He's a good wrestler. Like we said, he's not afraid to make this ugly, make it scrappy. And he's usually at an advantage when that happens. I think this is a tough matchup for him. And I think that Jalen's going to get the better of him in the grappling. I, I was leaning Jalen, but just the, at, Malarkey burned me on that, on the last one against Devontae Smith. So I'm just mm-hmm. a little bit scared, but this is just, yeah. I mean, it really just comes down to matchup for me. And I, and I just, or not mat, uh, or matchups that like in the past, I, this one's not, this one's not bad. Um, okay. So now we're on the main card and I really want to hear your opinion on this first one. Sergey Spivak is going to open up the main card against Greg Hardy. This is a pay-per-view fight. Spivak is currently minus 200. Greg Hardy plus 170. My take might surprise you. So I want to give you the floor first. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I have had Spivak circled as someone that I want to include in my night. And I have not yet figured out how. Um, I don't want to put him in a parlay just because Hardy being the like biggest freaking human and best athlete maybe at heavyweight um, and the ability of a half second fight being over from one punch. But Spivak is a talented martial artist. He should be able to hold his own in the striking here a lot better than Greg Hardy and also has the wrestling and the top control and the subs to maybe get a finish and get control on the ground here. Um, Like I said, Hardy's an incredible athlete. He's a better athlete. But that's kind of all he's proven to be. And, and I think at this point, I've kind of figured him out. He's going to go out there and try and punch your head off. But his cardio is really bad. Um, he's going to gas. Like, I, I kind of see this going similarly to the Spivak to Ivasa fight, where Spivak's able to avoid the power shots, get this to the mat, and finds an arm triangle. Um, I'm kind of leaning towards maybe a Spivak by sub play or sprinkle. But... Yeah, I'm curious to to hear how you feel because I think that it's just as likely as Hardy going out there and landing one punch and lights going out. Yeah, so I actually like Hardy here. And and I had a feeling you'd be on Spivak and that's kind of why I want to lay off. I hate Hardy. I never want to bet for him. I know you do too. Scumbag of a person. The thing I noticed is that, I mean, the Tui Vasa loss was quick, but Fight over fight since being in the UFC because he was so raw. He really has gotten so much better. And the fight I wanted to take a look at is the Tybura fight. Because stylistically, I feel like Tybura brings a similar style that Spivak's going to bring. Not the heaviest heavyweight in the world. Can mix in the grappling. Has the submissions. Will stand strike. Hardy had one of the best first rounds I've seen. And almost had Tybura out multiple times. And I know that Hardy's the type of guy that apparently just lives at ATT, lives on the mat, lives in that gym. And for a guy who it genuinely is a question if he's going to make 265 versus a guy who you would say, hey, if you make a couple diet choices, you're at 205. I worry that there's not going to be a path to take 
Greg Hardy down and that the power is just going to wear on Spivak. And I, I, I took a look at the Aspinall fight. That one was tough because it was on short notice. So you don't want to grade it. He got uh, beat bad by Walt Harris, a guy that, that lost in age. Well, and he got tagged a lot by Carlos Felipe. I mean, he keeps a very high guard just for me. I think Hardy at plus 170. I mean, it's come up 20 points. I might have to take a nibble. I might. He's just so much bigger. I've got the play. I just found it. I'm on best fight odds, and you've talked me into it. I will be placing it right when we hit finish on recording. Uh And it is the Spivak Hardy under two and a half lined at minus 150. The fight doesn't go to decision is only minus 200. For heavyweights, I I might play both. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, because Greg Hardy's, I mean, I think Spivak's path to victory is going to be a finish, mainly a sub. And Hardy could go out there and smoke him in the first. I think that it's likely that Hardy gasses or gets a knockout and gets finished. I, I don't see this one going hitting the cards. I like, yeah, the, that's, I like the under two and a half that no, I, no, that's won. not a bad bet at all. That's not a bad bet at all. I was appetized by the Hardy at plus 170. I mean, this is just, if you, especially at heavyweight, it's you can look at these fights more as just dog fights. You know what I mean? I feel like if got- you're playing Hardy 170, why not do like a one and a half unit Hardy and half a unit Hardy KO? I don't see him winning any other way. I don't see him going the full 15. Like, like Hardy, yeah, Hardy in the distance. He's not going to sub him though. Yeah, I could see that. That might be what I do, honestly, depending on the line difference. I mean, if it's if it's 185 or just a little bit more than I. Hardy TKO, I'm seeing 300, 275 range. I will probably do that then. Hardy round one plus 550. I will do that. Could, that. that could be a that, sexy, sexy play. That is how I'm going to play that. Or a Hardy KO in round one only gets it up to 600. Hardy in round one, 550 is certainly worth a sprinkle. Yeah, all those options are something that I'm probably going to tease a little bit. But I don't want to spread out too much on Hardy, but enough. Oh, definitely. That's why I like yeah. that under. It still leaves the sub yeah. play in, 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 the, in the works. This is a fight you talked about weeks ago. Kevin Holland versus Alex Oliveira. Line opened at minus 200. I missed the boat. You didn't. It's currently sitting at 330. I mean, this fight is at 170, which is Holland's debut at 170, I believe. Yep. Uh, but- debut in the UFC. He fought LFA and regional scene and whatnot 170 so you know he can make the weight then Mm -hmm. and it looked i think it's gonna be a great move for him you see him struggling a ton at 185 with the heavier wrestlers that are literally just holding him down and you're like yeah a move down in weight could probably be great for a guy like that um and that being said he's also been sounds like he's living in the wrestling gym just trying to fix that obvious hole in his game. I know I mentioned yeah. every time we talk about him that he's technically a Travis Luter black belt. I'd love to see that come out against Cowboy Oliveira. Um, but mainly Cowboy is just not the same Cowboy he was five years ago. No, he's and, dropped, yeah, yeah. he's dropped so many in a row. It's almost like you've touched on it a couple of times, but it's like, it's almost like, oh, I have 10 kids at home. Give me a paycheck. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he really is quick outs, quick taps, just – Right, it looks like he's given up a couple times. Cardio is the Nico Price. Yeah, and he's just not been fighting guys who are the caliber of Kevin Holland either. Um, no. 
And even I think that if Cowboy can wrestle him for like five minutes for the whole first round, that's, I mean, Olivera is gassing a hundred times out of a hundred if that happens. And Holland's going to win the next two. I love this play. And I think Holland's also been looking to improve hard too. Yeah. There's a great play. I I mean, you crushed it at 200, but like you reasonably could add this in a parlay at 330 and be fine too. Um, Yeah. I, I, I very much would support that. So a parlay piece I'm going to mention later, but this one we actually might be one of the only fights we disagree on. Edson Barbosa versus Bryce Mitchell. And the line is Bryce Mitchell minus 165 is Bryce Mitchell. Edson Barbosa plus 145 right now. I mean, Dan, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, this isn't my strongest stance in the world. Like, I didn't even tease it for an ankle lock idea or anything. I I just see the career trajectory is going a little bit different. I think this is almost a passing a torch in the way. I mean, the line's not that appetizing, but Barbosa, 36, lost a couple in a row, lost a couple tough ones in a row. Uh, Or I guess he beat Burgos, but he was getting hurt bad for a while. And And it comes down to a durability question. It comes down to a speed question. I, I just think Bryce Mitchell is going to be able to grapple with him and make this a, a dirty fight that just wears on Barbosa. Um, I'm not saying he's going to sub him. I just didn't feel like Barbosa was going to have the same success that we saw against, say, a Makwan Amirakani. So to me, this, this is also not one of my biggest plays. It's one of my smallest. But to me, this comes down to really one big thing. Um, if, if Barbosa can defend the single leg, he's going to piece up Bryce Mitchell. I really believe that. Um, I have not, I'm a guy that's backed Bryce in his last couple fights. Yeah. I have not been super impressed with both his takedown ability and his top pressure. His jujitsu, his tra- scrambles, his tradition, transitions, his submission attempts, his knowledge of chaining submissions together is world class. It's unbelievable. The man, like he says, cook him to the bone. He cooks people to the fucking bone. It's fun to watch him grapple. He's an exciting uh, ground player. I just think it's such a big step up for him here. Um, getting the legend that's Barbosa, and you're watching guys like Andre Feely be able to get up and, and get off his feet like a bunch of different times and 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 win around off Bryce Mitchell too. Yeah, I think that was 1919 going to the third. A guy like Edson Barbosa lands an elbow and you're out of there. Not a touchy feely couple jabs and takes a 10 9 round. But um, he also he also hasn't um, fought in a year and a half. That is Bryce Mitchell. So I don't know if he's recognized that and maybe he's worked on that. I mean, I don't want to. I mean, we have no idea until Saturday. But right, I yeah, I have no idea. I think he's still at his kind of local gym which yeah i don't know if he's getting rounds in with the best caliber fighters but um yeah i just don't i i haven't seen anything from his tape that shows me that he's a complete fighter on the feet um i've seen him land punches when people are really concerned about takedowns similar to like how khabib used to do before he put everything together but i don't think edson barbosa is going to just like be so one track minded. He's got, he's got, he's too savvy of a veteran really. Um, and one thing I just thought of when you mentioned the layoff, it's interesting that he's signing a new contract after such a long layoff, having not 
had like a, a stellar performance recently. I, I don't know. I don't know what it means. I don't have a take so much. I just thought of it. Right. And I thought it was curious. Oh, interesting for sure. Co-main event is at 160. It's a catchweight short notice, which honestly is, I think, favors RDA. This is probably his natural weight. You correct me last time because I got the weights mixed up, but he's always been battling between 170 and 155. So this is kind of, he would be a perfect mm -hmm. person for that 160 or 162 and a half that people have teased before. Not to mention it's uh, whatever, this was the fight that was originally supposed to be the main event of, I think, last week. Or, yeah. And then got moved. Yeah, yeah Raphael, the, before the replacement, yeah. So this is staying at five rounds, which is huge, which mm -hmm. is really, really significant for my bet. I think that that plus the weight, the catch weight, significantly significantly favors rda we've got a guy who was training for a five round main event versus a guy who wasn't training who literally just finished a fight is taking this on short notice has spent 30 hours on a plane is then going to have to go straight into cutting weight in in fighting 25 minutes with the guy that can drag you into deep fucking waters i mean this is not an rda that, like it's just a, a low output point fighter this is yeah i'm going to come get you and drown you. And I think that yeah. it's a bad spot for Moicano being a five round fight and letting RDA have that extra weight. I think it's just a dull, it, it adds a lot to RDA's side. And I think the line should be a little bit higher than the 150, 160 that I'm seeing it. Yeah. At. That's what I was going to say. Cause it opened at 200, which I agree does seem a little bit more accurate and it's steamed down to 65. The only explanation I can have for that is just the fact that, RDA's dropped, I mean, he's two in, I think, like five or six in his last eight or whatever. But, I mean, we're talking about world. I mean, he's losing to Usman, Leon Edwards, Michael Chiesa, and Colby Covington. I mean, no one's going to knock him for that. Um, mm -hmm. it, and it's just also RDA, or not RDA, but Hanato looked so good three weeks yeah. ago with his finish over Alexander Hernandez. It seems like people are kind of looking at like, wait, you're going to give me this guy for like plus 130? He looked awesome. No, right. that Hernandez is not RDA. Right. This sport is definitely what have you done for me lately type thing. It's very, and that's why it's it, it's possible or, or more possible to be such a positive capper is because you can fade those trends of people who are like all in on one person and souring on another person. I mean, look at Kevin Holland over the last two years. He was That's a great fighter Kevin of the Holland's year. Great, yeah. Now he can't win a fight. And if you look at the opening lines for Kevin Holland and all those fights, you'd be like, oh my God, you're capping two different fighters completely. Because once you string a couple losses together, everyone forgets what you did a year ago. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so RDA, I also like as a play here. I just haven't officially done it. And I think the big fear is the 37 years old aspect. That's the only problem I'm having. But at the same time, he's shown to be durable. Yeah, no, he's a beast. RDA is one of my all-time yeah, favorites. And I don't think Moicano has like the hand speed that Felder brought after that triathlon and whatnot. Like it's just, RDA is durable. Yeah, he is. And he only loses to the top five. You know what I mean? He really puts together good fights against Felder, good fights against Kevin Lee back in the day. He, he can, he can scrap. Main event is the most anticipated fight. It's it's enough to sell a pay-per-view with no championship fight, which still blows my fucking is mind. It? I feel like that's a, it's still up in the air. I, I think I don't know. Cool. I don't I'm not privy to the ESPN numbers fight week, but 
Do you think? No, I mean, I think it's bullshit. I'm just saying that apparently Dana White thought it was enough to do it. We got Colby Covington, number two welterweight in the world, looking to take another crack at Usman against his friend turned rival. Apparently, I think they're overplaying it a little bit. George Masvidal, number eight worldwide, trying to get them checks, both of them. Colby Covington, unsurprisingly, is minus 320. Jorge Masvidal, plus 250. Um, Line open, Danny, this one shocked me, at minus 190 for Covington. And it's just ballooned, as it should, almost instantly, too. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think Jorge Masvidal is one of those guys that – Went from being a journeyman fighter, you know, fighting and losing to Wonderboy Thompson, which was a phenomenal fight. If you haven't seen it, go see it. You know, he's been fighting Lorenz Larkin, Benso Henderson. I mean, he's been fighting forever. Before we get super deep into the breakdown, yeah, um, I did want to address, you mentioned that, um, like, whether or not the beef is real or not. I think that whether or not it's overplayed or they do hate each other's throat. Once they get locked in that cage, it's real. Like if right. you've ever been in a gym, no, for if, sure. you ever, if you have like, I mean, I know that both of us are younger brothers. There is that younger brother, older brother mentality that goes into every training relationship, every duo um, yeah. of who's getting like, who's getting that work and who's not. And when that younger brother raises his hand, and like in this situation where I think it was Colby that called out first of, I want to cross over that line of brotherhood. I want to fight you, motherfucker. Yeah. It's it's a confident thing. And I'm not saying that, like, Jorge is a, the mentally weaker of the two. That's one of the things that Jorge is fucking awesome. He's, he's as I'm mentally sure. strong as they come. But it does say a lot to – on the Colby side of I'm this confident and I want to fuck you up because you taught me everything that you know and now I'm the fucking master. No, for sure. And th- that's a huge element. I just think that Colby's even a play at 300 because not that I don't love Jorge Masvidal. I do. I've been a fan of his for a while, but it's like he's strung together maybe the best streak of excitement between knocking out Darren Till in London as a huge dog, then coming home and flying kneeing in five second Ben Askren, who is uh, uh, the most talked about guy. Probably the, the best time, knockout in UFC history. By, by far. And then – has the the Nate Diaz, who obviously is not the Nate Diaz of the of old, but still and, stops and, him. No one stops Nate Diaz. No, do, but, a doctor stoppage, whatever. A doctor but, stoppage, but, but stops him. Yeah, but stops him. But and and then runs into the Usman train that Covington did, and you can pretty easily MMA mat this to look how Jorge did against Usman. Look how Covington does against Usman, and I, I think it's an easy lay to play Covington. I think he's relatively safe here. I don't think Usman's going to be able to, or Mazel's going to be able to turn his lights out. And I think that Colby Covington, similar to the pace that he put on Robbie Lawler, um, and, and not only that, but also the pace in the last couple of rounds that he put on Usman most recently, I think this is a fight that he, that that's manageable for him. Definitely. Um, one thing I, I mean, I don't want to get us off too much on a tangent, but it seems like I'm, a big Colby truther when every time we bring him up and I want to give him some shine here because he fought 50 minutes with Kamaru Usman debatably won 25 at least of those minutes. I mean, there one judge at least gave him all gave him round three, four and five in the second one. So there's an argument right. that he may have won that fight, 
he's not even listed on that pound for pound list that Usman's number one at. You're saying that he's neck and neck with this guy and you're not even going to list him? Whatever. No, like, we don't need to debate that, but like that ticked me off today when I found that out. No, I agree. I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I've always loved Covington. Like I was a huge Covington guy pre the whole shtick. And the shtick is what really turned me off to him because he was so fucking dominant back in the day against the Max Griffins, the Brian Barberinas. I mean, we're talking about like really just dominating these people. And over time, he developed a character and then, you know, became kind of an asshole. And and I, I get why he did it. It's a business. It's an entertainment business. But if you look at the person without the persona and you just looked at the pure skill level that these two are bringing to the table, I think Colby Covington is significantly better. Oh, big time. And I mean, you talk about the early Colby that was this dominant wrestler. And as he developed this persona, he's also developed those other aspects of his game. And he's just so much more than a wrestler now. He's someone that utilizes his wrestling to land damaging strikes. Um, He weaponizes his cardio in a way that like legitimately only Kamaru can do. And that's why I'm talking about throwing Colby some love on this pound for pound list. It is a different type of way that these guys don't gas out and they wrestle for 25 minutes that shouldn't be fucking possible um and Jorge is a guy that as good as his striking is he's a great boxer he's got underrated power I'm not saying that he can't win here I don't see Colby getting his lights out I don't see Colby losing his his game plan and his patience and putting himself in a dangerous position that Jorge needs him to do um, I could almost see this one playing out similar to Jorge Usman one, where, mm-hmm. where Jorge is defending a lot of takedowns, but kind of getting controlled and Colby has to like edge it out with like some slight dirty boxing or like rabbit punches or like foot stomps. Like we saw in the Usman thing. And that's why I tend to lean my play for this. I, aside from having Colby in a parlay with Umar, um, I like the over three and a half here at minus yeah. 70. I don't I, think that Colby's going for the finish or not. I think he's going for it. I don't think Jorge is going to be finished. And I don't think that Jorge is going to land that one shot to put Colby's lights out. I, I also like the potential over. I was going to wait closer to fight night though, because I think that people with the hype videos of the fastest knockout and Colby, I do think that there's going to, it might steam down a little bit. I also like the over. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a great fight. I just think it's more of a, a co-main or a third on a, on a great pay-per-view rather than the headline of just a pay-per-view. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Definitely. This one bothered me a little bit. Um, but that being said, I'm not like poo-pooing this card. I'm really excited for a lot of fucking fights on this card. It's just, there's not the star power or the. No, the I agree. And, and, but, really and I, but I dropped. I I have a couple of friends over and I dropped the full freight. So this one seems like one that I honestly might just stream because it, it feels like it's not worth 75 bucks. <laughs> I mean, this is crazy. There's no title fights. I get you. I get you. And there are people, uh, people listening right now that are struggling with the same decision come Saturday night. You know, I know. Well, we'll see you live next Saturday morning. For the pay-per-view, we've done two. This will be our third. And 
that's it. I, I think we got some set the spreads coming up and all the good stuff, usual programming. The only thing that's a little bit new will be this weekly live on Saturday. So that does it for UFC 272 and the recap of UFC Vegas 9. Any last notes, gentlemen? Big Poha for me. All right, Poha as well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.